Good afternoon. I'm Gary Kavner. I forgot the name of the show. T. It's the T followed by the or, by the S, by the I. T to the or to the S to the I. Live from the hood. <laughs> and I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer, the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the West. It's getting to you, Gary. It's getting to you. It's going to be one of those shows. Oh, God. I don't know why, but I woke up with the urge to refer to you that on the podcast. I don't know why. It doesn't even make any sense. I think you should run these things past your girlfriend first. You know, see what, see, see how the public take it. Then maybe we could. No, because if I asked her, like, should I call Michael the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the West? She'd just look at me and then leave. And she might not come oh, back. She, but she can't go far, Gary. Remember. That's true. She has to come home these days. Anyway, so speaking of things that are terrible, but also sort of humorous. Did you see the video of these people, these celebrities, including an Irish chap, at least was one, Ho- singing John Lennon's Imagine? Was it Hosier? No, it was the chap from the IT crowd. Uh, oh, Chris O'Dowd. I like Chris O'Dowd. No, just Hosier would seem to be... I know, I have... I have. I, I thought I had watched... I certainly watched part of the video. Well, uh, uh, Gary, I have to put in here as a... What's, what do they say? You know, like full, full disclosure. Imagine is probably my the song that I that most gives me the what I think they, the in up in the north of Ireland they call the balk. <laughs> I can't I stand it. Fucking, I, just, I can't stand it. It just gives me the creeps. John Lennon was responsible for a certain and a rather good number of the songs that I can't. Uh, so this is Christmas is my least favorite Christmas song. Drives me wrong. And woman also is a song that I just I don't know. I just can't stand. But did you see? Did you see the introduction text? On YouTube, yeah. So it's very cut out on most videos, but the what she says when she opens it is, uh, "Hey guys, day six in self quarantine, and I've got to say that these past few days got me feeling a bit philosophical. You know, the virus has affected the entire world. Everyone doesn't matter who you are, where you were from. We're all in this together." And then breaks into a rendition of "Imagine" with about you know, a dozen other celebrities all of whom I would happily see put against a wall and shot. <laughs> well, it's nice to take the balanced view of these things. That's the important thing. For a start, I, it's not that I grudge anybody their success, but to pretend that a wealthy uh, celebrity in the United States is in the same boat as large numbers of people around the rest of the world is simply... I mean, that, was, that, was, that was the comment. One of my favourite comments about Imagine that sums up part of why it's such a terrible song. I, I, Apart from the fact that the lyrics are nonsense. It's like they hired Hallmark to write a fucking song. <laughs> sung by the strung-out hippie coming off a three-year heroin bender. Yes, well, you know. But the description was that Imagine is the kind of song that could only have been recorded who lived in a multi-million dollar pe- penthouse, which had a room which purely existed to keep his wife's fur coats chilled. <laughs> well, if you have... If you have very good quality fur, you have to keep it cold. I mean, that's a fact. And in summer, they uh, in cities where people still wear a lot of fur, like for example Milan, I think New York these days, I think the fur is fur is murder thing has kind of died off, and fur is back. There are these very large; they're like meat lockers, but for fur, for fur coats, and they hang there. And yes, apparently John Lennon did have a was it a room or a house that was kept. Or he, had, he had a room. He had a room for fur coats, and he had a room for shoes. That was that. Elton John said that. Elton John apparently gave him a satirical version of Imagine. You know, I never was a big fan 
of Elton John or the music, whatever. But I've I've actually I've read a few things in the last year or so that have warmed me up to John. That he actually has a level of self awareness and a sense of humour, which is really you know particularly with songs uh, people who have been as successful as him. It's kind of endearing that they actually have some kind of a sense of humour. He's very aware of his own flaws and weaknesses, shall we say? Which I don't know. John Lennon, God, he was so. Well, luckily enough, he was shot, so... Well, no, I wouldn't have wished that on the man. I mean, I wouldn't have wished it on the man, but it happened, and I'm not sad about it. Left a little boy, at least one, maybe more than one child. Julian, certainly, there, which is unfortunate. Um, To me, the, the whole Lennon thing, and, well, the Lennon slash Yoko Ono thing, you remember when they, well, you don't know, there was remember it, but we know about it, when they decided to sleep in for peace, for world peace, and there, there were... Also, oh, is this the amazing photo with the maid? There's a brilliant photo of anybody oh, can, you can get it. Glorious. Where they're, they're sleeping in this five star hotel, and they get out of bed, and there's they have to get you know, kids through. But there's one, there's a photograph of them in bed, and beside them there's a, a maid, and I'd say she's probably Hispanic. Is it or she? I can't remember now. Actually, oh, I think she is Hispanic. And standing there with this sort of look of. Well, are we going to do this? Are you, I've got other, <laughs> I have other rooms to do, and she's there to do, you know, to change the sheets and, to, and make the bed for them. So they they did that twice, and both due to the Vietnam War, a five day bed ins for peace they were called. One was in the Hilton Hotel in Amsterdam, and one was at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal. They're described by Wikipedia as intended to be non-violent protests against war and experimental tests of new ways to promote peace. But the photo of John Lennon and uh, Yoko standing there as this maid just fixes the bed they're lying in, which they've managed to really just mess up hysterically, is fantastic. No, I know there are people who will very seriously explain to us that we have missed the point, and it is it's subversive this and ironic that and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, it's a very very wealthy man in bed with his girlfriend giving out about the war. And it's very hard to take seriously. But even the lyrics of uh, Imagine are terrible. Yeah, imagine, you know, he, he, he does the religion thing, you know, no God below, no God above us, no, no hell below us, no uh, above us, only sky. It's easy if you do. So he thinks it's easy to get rid of religion. I think he might find that's actually a trickier project than he thinks or thought. But of course, he... he He's, he's setting this up because he wants to set up the uh, the punch, which the real punch is. The really hard thing for people is to give up possessions. Because you know, that's really hard. No need for greed or hunger. Yeah, yeah no need for hunger. Weird. No need for hunger. Hmm. Also, <laughs> nothing to kill or die for is a bit of a weird lyric. That doesn't sound great. Yeah. How poor the nation that needs a hero. Hmm. It's just a shit song. Well, it it is it is not to our test, certainly this is true. And now so then so then naturally it is it is a song, obviously, much beloved by many, many people. And these lovely mostly to be fair, those are mostly communists and those without taste. <laughs> anyway, some of them decided to get together and make a lovely video for us all to keep us cheerful, you know. In I like I like the fact that all of these people have PR managers. And I have a feeling that none of them ran this by their PR manager. You think? Because the response would have just been, the internet will tear you apart. Um, the, 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 I think there's more than one version of this video on YouTube. 
but the one I saw, they had, I think, something like 6,000 likes and 15,000 dislikes. Yeah, that that's not the actual, that's some re-uploading the video. But on pretty much all of them, that is the, the ratio. People are just shitting and on then them. when you read the comments it's just one after the other no, admittedly the kind of frankly the kind of person that comments on youtube you know I, I i don't know who you'd have to be that you felt that there was nothing else you could do with those seven seconds of your life but to write a comment on youtube shit i will but every comment one after the other after the other is just relentlessly hostile you know and you think these these lads, these lassies, God, we were singing the song for fuck's sake. Jeez, lads, cool the jets. Yeah. But, so you have a great combination of a terrible song with a terrible message written by terrible people <laughs> being rebroadcast by multi-millionaires in an attempt at showing solidarity. Oh, for God's sake, Gary, say what you think. You know, Stop pussyfooting around. It, it is, I, I would say it is the song I hate most. <laughs> I really, I am really, I'm quite into music, and Imagine is garbage. But then again, so was John Lennon's entire solo career. So, like, take what you want from that. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, this is what happens. It just shows the shows the reason you don't try and replace Paul McCarthy with Yoko Ono. It's funny that there are sort of little tests in life. You know, the world seems to split pretty evenly just to two camps about lots of things. You can tell a lot, like. Are you a Burgundy man or a Bordeaux man? I know that's a big issue for you, Gary. Yeah, do you like? Are you a Barola man or a Brunella man? Plato or Aristotle? And it's Lenin or McCartney. No, I never was that curious to know about who, who or what. I knew I didn't like the Lenin, song. but then when I discovered, I, 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 I've since discovered that all the Beatles songs that I really, really like were all were all Paul McCartney. I'm actually, I'm not that mad about Paul McCartney's solo career either, but that was merely not to my taste. Well, no. As opposed to Lenin, which was solo aggressively career. bad. Solo career was spotty, but I mean, some absolute classics. He ended up in some good places. Mull of Kintyre, obviously, with the bagpipe solo, that's a, that's a towering work. And my personal favourite, which is the Frogs Chorus. I've never understood the aggression and anger that it provokes in people. That it's taken very often as... The, the example of, oh my God, how the, fa- the, the, the mighty have fallen. Paul McCartney, the, I like the frogs. I mean, it's, it was a thing from a kid's film and it's cheerful and umpa, umpa. But it generates really, it's, it's odd in life, isn't it? There are certain things that seem to just generate really anger, deep anger in people for no, for no apparent reason. That's one of those things, the frog, Paul McCartney and the frogs chorus. But there you go. Not Eleanor Rigby, which is my absolute favouritist. I think Eleanor Rigby is probably the best thing the Beatles ever wrote. Just gorgeous. Perfect. A perfect little three minute, a perfect artifact. It's like a Gogol short story or, you know, Chekhov short. It's just this perfect small artifact of art. And the, the layer, the sophistication of the music, the lyrics. Talking about lyrics, the wonderful lyrics. On the other hand, we, we had uh, Steve Martin come out with a short little video of himself playing the banjo and people loved that. Well, that was life enhancing. That yeah. Also, he's actually he's very good at playing the banjo, as opposed to a lot of celebrities who it turns out aren't great singers. <laughs> well, Steve, of course, made his career with the banjo and this, the arrow through his head back when he was. Which I think should, I should have I should have been a consideration for these people when the least objectionable thing about the music video you've just put out is that no one on it can really sing. <laughs> well, I, I would have to say most of them can sing better than I do. Then again, I didn't go on YouTube. 
So, uh, well, it's singing, that is. So, the Steve Martin, well, I suppose the Steve Martin has a number of advantages. First of all, it has no lyrics, and therefore it doesn't, it, there is no message. Secondly, there is no message. He doesn't, on what I've seen anyway, it, it's not a, it, it doesn't come with a, a philosophical over. It's just, I thought this might cheer you up. Yeah, as you just said, here's a banjo bam, and put it out. And it's rather lovely. It really just, and you're like, yeah, that's actually really well it's done. Really, it, uh, it's so very sweet. Would we say that the difference is talent and taste? Uh, well, Steve Martin is a, he's actually, he's a really interesting character, Martin. I mean, he was huge. I mean, we, I, not in Europe, but in the States, he was enormous as a stand-up comedian. He was, the back in the 70s, the first of the really massive stadiums-type stand-up comedians. And he just left it behind completely, went into acting, became a very successful movie star. He's also, I think he's an artist. He's, he's certainly an art collector. He's a writer. He's, he's written, he's been a playwright. He's written novels. I believe he has a Grammy as well. He's, he's a, he had an album. I think he, like, he, has he egotted an egot? Anybody who's ever watched uh, 30 Rock will know an egot. An egot is really if you get an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And that's like the the greatest ambition of anybody in, in, in the business the business of show. And he certainly has a, he's a Grammy. Does he get an Oscar for anything? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Emmy's tended to like romantic comedies. Comedies are, there's a bias against comedies in the Oscars. There are a lot of years when really fine comedies. But I don't know, for example, I should check, I should have checked this. Um, Some Like It Hot. I don't know, did Some Like It Hot win the best best Oscar? Best film? Anyway, we could talk that another day. They're doing something um, technologically interesting, but civil liberties-wise challenging in Singapore, Gary. I think that is possibly an evergreen description of Singapore, Michael. <laughs> it is indeed. They're not. Do you know the funny thing? I was talking to a chap about Singapore recently. He said, I said it's, an, it's a bit of a fascist state, or is that a bit overstated? He said, no, no. No, no, it is. A, it, this is a man who actually knows what fascism is. He said, no. It, it's, a, it's a fairly decent approximation of a fascist state. There is a, there's rule of there's law. There's a rule of law, and that's fairly well respected. But every But the laws are pretty... But you know what? If you can guarantee people a level of physical prosperity and personal safety, it's remarkable the amount of liberty they're willing to give up. Yeah, and Singapore actually rates quite highly on places to live. Oh yeah, it's a great place to do business as well. A lot. Of, I mean, it's always up there in the 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 freedom index when it comes. You don't you don't hear a lot of people call it a fascist state, but I think you know I think you're right. It is a fair approximation of one because yes, there are laws, but there's also the man. Yes, and. Uh, the laws are there because the man wants them there. And if he didn't, they wouldn't be there. And there is also the sense of the place that the, 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 the duty is to Singapore. It's a very small nation, but he has worked hard like, with the original man. And that, 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 uh, there, is, there is an interesting sort of nationalism about Singapore, yeah. while being a really open city, because it has to be, um, that is entirely constructed. Because Singapore a hundred years ago was nothing. It wasn't wasn't a thing. No, no, it wasn't. And it's 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 definitely multi ethnic, and it has had historically tensions between the Malay and the Chinese. And there's not just Malay. I mean, there's obviously Malay and Chinese, the dominant ethnic groups there. But you got you got you got Europeans, you've got Tamil, you've Indians, Chinese. You have 
time. You've got a lot of lots of different ethnicities, but they have created this this sense of this is our gaff and we like it, we're proud of it, and uh, you're not from our gaff, so you don't get to do that. So anyway, they've got a is it a it's a blue is it Bluetooth based? Yeah, so they app? they've set up a they've created a new app called Trace Together, and what it is is an app it's a app that uses Bluetooth technology, um, and it basically logs anyone that comes within two meters of you and is there for over a certain amount of time. Um, some people say 30 minutes, some people say 15, some say less. So I'm not sure if it collects all the data and then you can just parse it by time. Yeah. Or there seems to be a bit of confusion about this. And it's stored locally on the phone. And then if you are later found to have uh, contacted uh, COVID-19, then you can send your log to the health minister. And then they will go through everyone you've spent time with and just send them out a text going, oh, by the way, uh, you came in contact with this person, you should be tested. Mm-hmm. Or you should self-isolate. Right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. How how successful... I, th- I think... They, okay, put it this way. Say if this app was made available in Ireland, right? And it wasn't a mandatory thing. It wasn't like everybody who had a phone had to do it. Do you think there would be a large-scale pickup? Would would you put it on your phone? Um, I I don't know if I would put it on my phone because I'm like I'm not really going anywhere. I mean, I I work from home, so this is and I'm not going out, so I probably wouldn't. But more so for the fact that I'm not meeting anyone. Right. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to come into contact with anyone. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't. I I don't think it's. I I imagine the privacy people. The privacy people are already going mental about this. And it's happening half the world away. You know? Uh, so I, 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 and then there would be GDPR and be all of that nonsense. It has, I, it has been interesting to see because a couple of people have been talking about this on social media and I've had phone calls with a couple of people who were talking about it as well. And the general response of people I've seen to it when people have brought up privacy concerns could basically be summed up as, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, I think there's a sense that I don't know if there's a good thing. It is a fact. That things like these rights issues, particularly, shall we say, law order rights, maybe, law order infringements of rights, are seen as luxuries for peacetime. And we have decided, in the, me- the media have decided anyway to frame this very much as if we are at some, in some kind of war situation. And, you know, that's all very well and that's all very nice and that's abstract and very good in theory. But lads, no, we need to do this. Now, just in passing... Since I like to find the good news in the papers every day, sometimes it's hard to find it. But a little bit of potential good news is that in the cases where, um, in the new cases, uh, Dr. Hollihan, is it Hollihan? Is the chief medical dude here? Mm-hmm. Said that in the in the new cases where they've been trying to do the contact backs, they've been finding that all of the new cases presenting have had have have ha- are having fewer contacts than the previous cases which is indicative of that social distancing is beginning to have an effect. And obviously, fewer contacts hopefully will mean fewer opportunities for contagion. So that's a, a, a straw in the wind that might be positive. I don't, I, I don't go, I, I don't go out much at all, obviously. Um, it's names yourself. I think I would be willing to, I mean, I would like it to be introduced with sunset clause. I think Singapore, it does have a sunset clause and they're saying it's encrypted. And that uh, the health, the Ministry of Health can only take it with your consent. Uh, that may or may not be true. Mm. It's weird that Singapore, which is again effectively a fascist state, 
I would trust them not to lie about this because they don't need to lie about it. If they wanted it, they just take they it. They don't tend to because why? Why? Why bother? Yeah, they they've sort of noticed that you can just do what you want. There's no point lying to people about it. No. And then they like you more because, like, well, at least they're honest. And one of the things you have to remember about places like Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, places which have been reasonably successful up to now in managing these kinds of things. And we have actually massive advantages in Ireland over lots of countries. We are a very, div- very dispersed population. I mean, Singapore is a very, very densely populated piece of ground. Incredibly. So, People yeah. are on top of each other. So, cont- and we there are a couple of things that seem... It's very hard and, and reluctant to say things that we know about this process yet, but there are things we seem to know. One is that testing, large-scale testing, is an important gate, I think they're calling it, for control. And the other thing is uh, the ability for, con- why, for, for, for rigorous contact tracing. The better your contact tracing is, the more successful your approach can be. And this would seem to be... A, a use of technology where we can significantly improve contact tracing. I mean, the, the, thing, the thing I found interesting about it is how poorly privacy people and privacy activists take anything like this. Um, they really have a hard on for this sort of stuff that I think goes beyond... It's a weird thing. Like I can understand privacy concerns because of, let's say, issues with state overreach or giving the state information that it... it should not have sure, yeah. the ability to... But that doesn't seem to be the issue with these people. It seems to just be ideological commitment to a type of privacy that isn't possible. You know, I don't. Um, I wouldn't want to over-egg the button, but I think if you, if you have a smartphone and if you use a computer not, and you use it for your, any kind of social interaction, you use emails and you go on Facebook, you use Twitter, whatever... You know, privacy as we formerly understood it is gone. It's dead. And I think you're saying, if nothing else, and this is not something they talk well, maybe they talk about a bit, but they don't talk about a whole lot. There are places in the world where the number, where the, the number of CCTV cameras around mean that the chances of you not being photographed doing whatever you're doing is fairly small, which is a pretty serious issue for, I would thought, for privacy. It's not just privacy isn't just what happens on on uh, in the internet, but the internet has we we have given away large chunks of our privacy, and I think we're going to have to just make peace with that. I think you're right, but the other I think the other question is, have we been harmed by that? And in some cases, I would say there is an argument, but in large scale, uh, in large areas, I'd say no, there has been no harm. In fact, there may have been good. One of the things people get really, I French get really irritated about the fact that they get targeted advertising now because somebody managed to buy their, the data from their loyalty card from the supermarket or something so they know what they buy, the shop. Mm. And they get horrified by this. So you get targeted, you know, I mean, frankly, and I know this sounds like, I sound like an ad, an ad man's dream here. Well, you know, you're actually getting, there's a chance that you will be told about stuff that you might actually like. I mean, that's the thing. That is the uh, that is the aim of that process. That you see stuff that you look and be like, oh, that's actually quite handy. Well, I, I didn't know they did that. I, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd like one of them, please. And is that so bad? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think so. Now, on... I, I mean, these these are also the people who brought us GDPR, uh, which I think is the... is is I think the new... 
poor example of winning the battle and losing the war. I'm so sick of going to things and having to say, could you sign there? And could you tick that box? And you have to sign here to say that you understood what you were doing when you signed over there? It's, it was a beautiful strategic error, I think. They brought it in and they're like, yes, we stopped these things. But now the image of digital privacy to the average person is an endless array of things you have to click. And that's it. It's annoyance. And people saying, oh, I'd love to be able to do that, but I can't because of, well, you know, GDPR. Mm. And now they're going on about data. And you're like, oh, your data is your most valuable asset. Is it? Is it really? Is it? How come you've never made any money off it then? I thought it was, I would have thought it was the bags of diamonds I have buried in yeah, my it's, garden. It's almost as if your data is worthless on its own. And it's actually only a value when added to other pieces of data that you don't have access to or in aggregate large-scale amounts. And uh, I see that I, if we're talking about rights issues. And one of the questions we're facing right now is to the extent which our freedoms of association and freedoms to do what we would have normally done are being curtailed and to the extent. So for, there are two things that seem to be getting people very aerated. One are groups of teenage boys hanging around <laughs> one video described with their, with their hands down their pants <laughs> bantering and this seems to be just really really annoying people that and that the, that the guards are going to have power or already have the power to basically move them on the guards have been given extraordinary powers regarding control of people i think talking to a few guards they say they believe that really it's principally the idea would be if there are large house parties going on that they just to, to break them up rather than anything else. But um, we've also seen the, the pubs have closed, but they're not closed, as it were, by fiat in the sense that for them to open is illegal. So they're actually breaking the law, but there have been a number of pubs where the guards have gone in and found people drinking, not after hours, but open at all. And what all the minister so far has been able to say is, well, you know, this will probably come into, come into consideration when you're up for renewal of your license, which is sort of the standard threat you make against the public. Do you think? Do you think what, what's this? What about the, the teenage boys? Do you think so? That the guards should be basically sort of giving them a bit around the head and sending them home, or? I mean, Michael. As much as I do approve of the use of uh, unsanctioned violence by police against the public, uh, I would say no. They probably shouldn't start beating teenagers randomly, which I know may come as a shocking, a shocking statement coming from me. Well, I think it's just your old-fashioned, lib-lab, willy-nilly, weak-livered liberal coming out. And shocked, Carrie, shocked and horrified. So I'm finally a liberal. You're a libby. You're a lib- You're progressive. That's what you are. You're a progressive. You'd probably vote for the Social Democrats. I mean, if I do, I'll do it ironically, as someone who is nicely middle-class. And postmodern. So anyway, why why not bait them? What's the point? Fun. Not for me. Yeah, but the guards. I mean, listen, can't be fun being a guard at the moment. Going around baiting a few teenagers, at least it'd be a bit of a stress release at a difficult time. We just get a piñata for every guard of the precinct. You think that beating a piñata is as much fun as beating a surly teenager? I don't know. I've never beaten a surly teenager from a position of power. Neither have I. When I did it, I was a surly teenager myself. I, was never, I imagine that's a different dynamic. I was, I was always a, an impeccably behaved and polite teenager. So I'm never surly. Not in me to be surly. I'm a breath of spring, fresh air in any room that I walk into. As someone who calls you a lot in the mornings, Michael, I'm, I'm not buying that one. Yeah, well, I haven't had my tea. It's, it's a bit like a, it's an engine. You have to sort of let it warm up a bit. I, I suppose, I think at the moment, politically, 
you get through anything you wanted. You could you could push through shooting dogs in the street and you'd probably get it through. Uh, it uh, ironically is it ironic? I don't know. Or coincidentally, today is the anniversary of the passing of the Enabling Act in Germany, nineteen thirty-three. The Enabling Act for those not obsessed with the history of the Nazi Party, was basically the piece of legislation which uh, gave Hitler the powers, the extraordinary powers to do what he had previously. He would have been limited by the Weimar Constitution. After the death, with the, with the death of Hindenburg as the president, and the, uh, this gave him the kind of power which would lead that when the next election he got his, his big majority. So it was, I think you could get an enabling act through at the door at the moment if you just through COVID-19 onto the title of the bill. It's also the, uh, this day in history tells me it's also the birth of the fascist party in Italy. Yeah, 1919. This day in 1919 was the the foundation of the first fascist party. Now that we're suggesting an enabling act should be passed. How far do we go? Will we know when we've gone too far? Is there? There is actually, there there is actually an interesting question here, which is um, something I've been talking about to a couple of different people in different countries. Because on that aspect, the whole COVID-19 has been really great for reaching out to people in other countries because everyone's schedule is so much cleaner now. Yeah. Because everything is being cancelled. Yeah. And it's what impact will this have on the current course of political development? So we've been going in a very liberal kind of direction, very globalistic Mm -hmm. for a good time now. And what impact does this have on this? And I don't think it's going to have either a left or right wing impact cleanly. But I imagine you're going to see things like increased support for public health care, even in places like America. No, I think I think you're going to, it's going to cause shakeup. Actually, that's something we may return to and talk about maybe in a bit of detail. I think maybe for, maybe for this Sunday uh, to do a bit of a longer show yeah, on because they're going we'll to do on that because there's some good, some interesting things. I think they're going to be they're going to be lots of consequences, and the consequences will be different in different countries and different I think there will, there will be consequences in China. There will be consequences globally. I think that's an that's an important interesting one thing. To and talk the worse about. this the worse this becomes, uh, the higher the debt rate and the infection rates, the more extreme those consequences will become. Yeah. Anyway. I suppose we let our uh, normally at this stage I would say I'd let our listener back out into the wild, but it's very possible that our li- listener is no longer going into the wild and is staying in his hutch. So I was yeah I was, I was going to say every time you say that it just makes me think of our listeners as free range chickens. <laughs> so the hutch comment really didn't help us. I think he more rabbits, bunnies, or ferrets, very useful animals. Ferrets or or Michael, I just just as an option. Yeah. Perhaps we don't dehumanize the people giving up their time to listen to us. What would be the fun of that? Anyway, I'm just mind yourself and stay safe, and we will be back during the week. Hopefully. Go with God. Oh, you could be dead by then. Jesus. I, I said hopefully. Well, hopefully you're not. <laughs> thank, <laughs> hopefully thanks you are. for that clarification. Anyway, mind yourselves, and uh, as the late, great uh, comic Mr. Allen would have said, may your God go with you. All the best.